0: Uh, It's my privilege this morning to introduce our uh, speaker for this weekend. It's just been awesome having John Burns with us. Uh, John is the president of GEM, which is Greater Europe Mission, and uh, he's been in that role since 2016. Prior to that, he served in a number of different ways, including as a police officer, which I found fascinating. Um, but also, he uh, he started an organization called Lions Raw that uh, sought to um, minister to communities and children through the passion for soccer. I don't get that, but you know maybe baseball. I could, I could see that, but uh, it's fantastic. So glad to have John here. Um, he is... One of the, he just has an infectious passion for Jesus. And you're going to be encouraged by hearing him this morning. And so John, come on out, man. Great to have you. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for letting me be here. It's been brilliant. Oh, I think I've just ripped that off. Oh, no, it's all right. Hey, can you help me? It's really weird speaking to masks. So you need to learn to use your eyebrows more expressively. Because I usually, like, play off the crowd a little bit, and I can't tell if you're happy, angry, agreeing, or about to walk out. So just, just and I don't know what eyebrows do, but do something with them. Is that all right? And, uh, and, and I do want to take a moment to just honor this church. Uh, 65 years of commitment to local and global mission is wonderful legacy. It's a wonderful legacy. And, uh, you know, I run a mission agency, and on behalf of, of World Missions, thank you thank you for your faithfulness, thank you for your generosity, thank you for all the hours of prayer and pastoral contact with people that you've sent out, it's amazing, you're an amazing church, God bless you. uh, I'm from England, you can tell already, Um, it makes it difficult for you to understand me, particularly when I get talking about mission because I get excited, and my wife keeps telling me, slow down, slow down, and... uh, so I'm guessing you can understand about one in every three words, although I met with a lady who apparently is the queen of this church, and I met with her after the first service, and she said she caught about one in five, but she quite liked the words she heard, so that's a good thing. And so you're going to have to lean in and try hard. Um, I'm from the northeast of England. We've been here in America for six years, my wife Sandra and I. We have two daughters. One's back in England, one's here. She married a Texan. She went through the list. That's all that was left. And uh, so she's happily living here, married to a Texan guy. And um, yeah, it's a real honor to be around you. We've just had a couple of weeks of kind of quarantine on the back of 10 weeks in England, which was a shock to us. England's in lockdown for the third time, and we experienced um, how hard it is, the challenge on mental health, the feeling of isolation that old and young people have been suffering. Parents that are ready to kill their kids, trying to do online school with them every day. And it's tough. It's been a tough year. It's been a tough year with politics, hasn't it? And it's created this whole uneasy year we've had has created all kinds of tension within us. Feelings of frustration and anger, sense of loss, sense of worry. There's been a loss of touch, which for the tactile ones amongst us is awful. For others, it's been great. You can go to church and a randomer doesn't kiss you. There's been a loss of travel, which if you're separated from family, feels bigger than ever, when you can't just hop on a flight easily. It's been a loss of trust in media and politics and leaders and science and medical, medical practitioners and leaves us in stormy waters. It's like we're in a boat and, and the waves are crashing against us and we, we don't know where the land is and it's like all these feelings rise up in us and then we remember Jesus stands in the boat with us and he can calm storms and he has power, and he can bring peace. So peace be with you today, friends, if you're feeling some of the emotions that we've experienced in the last year. So in these turbulent times, what things can we grab hold of and what things need to change? Well, in these turbulent times, first and foremost, the message is unchanging. If you've got your Bibles, open them up with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. And we'll just read a few verses out of here. Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, a very famous missionary sending passage. First verse. After these things, the Lord appointed 72 others. He sent them out two by two before his face to every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. Go on your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. If you flick forward to verse 8. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as they set before you. And heal the sick there and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. You'll remember that this passage is um, just a chapter later, I don't know how many weeks or months later, than where Jesus sends out the 12. So we have these 12 recognizable names from scripture. Jesus sends them out two by two again, and this time he says to them, Go and deliver people of demons, set them free, uh, heal the sick. And tell them that the kingdom is here. Declare the kingdom is come. And then a few things happen in the gap between this 12 and the 72 moment. And there's the transfiguration, which is pretty monumental. And then there's the argument between the disciples which one is the greatest of them? They've learned nothing. And Jesus, who hasn't learned from his mistake, then sends out 72 others. Anyone know their names? No one knows their names. These are not the apostles. These are just 72 other followers of Jesus. And he sends them out with the same commission. Go, go to where I'm sending you. Some basic instructions and I want you to heal the sick and I want you to announce that the kingdom is coming. Slight difference. In the 12 in Luke 9, the kingdom has come and here the kingdom is coming near you. Let's pause there for a moment and think about this coming kingdom. It's interesting that that's what Jesus tells them to preach. That's what Jesus tells them to share the kingdom. The kingdom of God. Basically, the kingdom is this it is the reign and rule of Jesus in your life, and then the reign and rule of Jesus in this world. The kingdom. The kingdom that is here and it's not yet complete. The kingdom that started when Jesus arrived 2,000 years ago, the kingdom came 2,000 years ago. It started. And the kingdom will come as it is completed when the day comes when Jesus comes back again, however long that's going to be. I hope it's not too long. When Jesus comes and wraps it all up, this is the kingdom come and the kingdom coming the reign and rule of Jesus in our lives. We have a good example of this now and not yet in the. if you study World War history. In the Second World War, we all got together, you Americans as English, even... You know, the penal colony, colony in Australia, they joined in and a few others. And, uh, and we, we went together and we crashed on the beaches of Normandy and we took those five beaches and then we blew the bridges, we backfilled to strength and slowly we moved out to retake Europe. That was D-Day. D-Day, the landings. And then a while later, VE Day, when Europe was finally set free. But most historians would tell you the war was won on D-Day. There was then just a cleanup operation. It's a total VE day Victory Day. That's a small version of what we live in the middle of, friends. So Jesus came and the battle was won 2,000 years ago. We're in the cleanup operation and it is a bit messy. And eventually he will come again and boom, the victory will be complete. The reign and rule of Jesus in heaven and earth forevermore kingdom's here and it's coming it's now and it's still to come we have a problem with the word king and kingdom and it is my fault as an Englishman because we didn't really model godly kings to you very well did we And you had this little uprising, I understand it, I think you were probably right, and you broke away and we deserved it. It's very interesting to have an English flag at the front of American church, but we won't go there today. But but we deserved it because it wasn't a godly king. And actually, that has led to what is probably, in my mind, one of the greatest things about America, this spirit of independence. It makes you great, it makes you entrepreneurial, it makes you fearless, this freedom, that comes with independence. But my friends, there's a challenge in that. Because when we become a follower of Jesus, we declare he is our king. Not like the rubbish English one, the real king. And he asks us to submit to him. Boom, that word is awful, isn't it? The word submit is awful. It's like the guy in MMA who's tapping the ground, I'm beaten, I'm defeated, I submit. So we think submission means defeat. We think submit means I'm beaten. But Jesus proved that submission is victory when he submitted himself to death, even death on a cross. Submission is victory. And in that act of Jesus, he gives us freedom. Freedom. And with that freedom, we make it a worship offering to him as we submit to him. That's what's going on in kingdom people. That's what's happened when they choose to to give this beautiful gift of freedom back to him and say, you are my king and I submit to you. That's the kingdom that he tells the disciples to announce. That's the kingdom that is an unstoppable force. Imagine a world or a Dallas or a neighborhood like this if all of us were fully submitted to the reign and rule of Jesus in our lives. It is unstoppable, my friends. It's an unstoppable force. But it's difficult for us, let's be honest. It's really difficult to submit. I remember the first time I came to preach in Dallas, I was preaching at the Heights Church in Richardson, a church that we love really, we love so much. And, uh, and I was speaking at the church, and then on the evening I was doing a youth gathering, and an old lady grabbed me after church, and she said to me, I wanna to talk to you about tonight. I'm like, go on, she goes, I don't want you to tell the kids to come to England. And I'm like, why? Because my grandkids are never leaving Texas. My grandkids, my. We say it all the time. You know, Lord, I love you and I'm gonna to give to you, but it's my money. Lord, um, I, I wanna serve you eventually, but I'm gonna get on with my career, my, my, my. Or oh, at last, I can enjoy my retirement, my. Friends, that's not the language of kingdom people. That's not the language of people who've submitted to Jesus. I remember as a stupid 18-year-old who didn't know any better, saying to Jesus, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, I'll do it. I didn't know any better. This prayer that wrecked my life. But that's lordship. That's what making Jesus Lord of our life is like. I don't have a house. Jesus lends me one. My kids are Jesus' kids. Any money I've got is his. Anything I've got, I should be able to share because it's not mine. This is upside down kingdom for us, isn't it? This is so countercultural to the way we're brought up. And this is not just true of America, it's for everybody who follows Jesus. Choosing to let Christ reign and rule in our life changes the world. Changes my heart, changes my neighborhood, changes the city, it changes the country, it changes the world. Kingdom people are unstoppable. And it's the kingdom we're called to announce. So yes, we're called to share the gospel. The gospel is the good news. The good news is that Jesus came to this earth, who Jesus is, what he did when he died to set us free, how he rose again to prove that he had power over death, but that's not the end of it. The rest of the good news, the rest of the gospel is, and his kingdom is come, and we get to follow the king. We get to submit to him, and everything changes. That's the gospel, my friends. That's the gospel we get to share, the kingdom that we get to announce, the kingdom that we get to join. So Jesus sends out the 12, he sends out the 72, and then of course in Matthew 28 you read where he sends out all followers of Jesus. And he says to them, go into all the world, all the people of the world, make disciples baptize them, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Or as I used to think of it, make them, mark them, and mold them. Make them, mark them, and mold them. Not just for the apostles, not just for the 72, but for every follower of Jesus evermore. Let me pause at a little passage here in Luke 10, verse 2. Because it's been really important for the mission that I get to lead, Greater Europe Mission. And about six, seven years ago, uh, somebody challenged us to start praying every day the ten two prayer, Luke 10-2. And so we set our alarms and our phones, and you can do it, you can get your phones out now, don't check your texts. And set an alarm, 10-2 uh, every morning, and when the little alarm goes off, pray this prayer. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out workers into his harvest field. We as Jem obviously started praying increasingly that God would send more and more workers to Europe because we believe that Europe is the most unreached continent in the planet. The global south still needs workers to go and do all kinds of things, but it can actually reach itself. It's at tipping points in Africa and Asia and South America. Europe isn't. It's under 2%. Every community, I can rarely find 1% of committed evangelical Christians in Europe. Yeah, we've got massive churches. We've got massive empty buildings. It's the most unreached continent on the planet. And we think it's ready to be reached. The turmoil that it's in, the, the immigration crisis, the political crisis, the financial crisis, We think Europe is ready to be reached. New Europeans that have come in from other countries, refugees. Old Europeans have had their foundations cracked. It's ready. We think it's critical. We think if you reach Europe, you can reach the world. You know, history and culture, philosophy, all born out of Europe. So join me, 10.02 every morning. Pray. Set an alarm. Pray. Pray the Lord would send out workers from this church. Pray the Lord will send out workers to Europe and all over the world and around the corner, workers from this church to Dallas. We've got Lucas joining us uh, on Thursday, Friday with 25 mission pastors that we're bringing together. And we're talking about two things particularly. One, we want to launch a a project called the 10-2 Legacy. And this is an idea. We've been really good at mobilizing 25-year-olds to upset their grandmothers and move to Europe, right? But, but we're saying, actually, there's loads of people in their 50s that could go and 60s that could go. And why don't we set up a project that's an answer to the prayers we're praying so people that could go for six weeks and try it out and get some training and serve in a ministry for a month and get some kind of history tour of what the Lord's doing in Europe, six weeks. And we would like this to be one of those key churches to lead this with us. We're starting to dream already about Paris. In 2024, as the Olympics hits Paris, it will be our 75th anniversary, and we were born in Paris. We want to push into that again with as many churches and people as we can. So, friends, in these turbulent times, the message is unchanging the message of God's kingdom come and King Jesus at its head. So, if the message is unchanging, we know that the mission is critical. You know, the lost still need redeeming, right? I don't know whether you know Jesus here today or if you're watching online, I don't know if you know him yet, but you need him. He's the answer to all the big questions you ask in life. He's the answer to the eternal questions where am I going? If you believe and follow Jesus, you're going to spend eternity with God. And if you don't, you're not. He's the answer to the destiny questions. You know, what am I here for? Is there a purpose to my life? He's the answer to those questions. He's the answer to the identity questions. Who am I? When you turn to follow Jesus, you realize you're a child of the king. You're a co heir in the kingdom. You know who you are. It gives you a security and a confidence that nothing else can give you. I know because before I met Jesus, I was nothing like I am today. And the lost still need redeeming. People need Jesus. But also the saved need reforming. It's really easy for us to get into a consumer model rather than become active participants. So the church I, I went to as a 17, 18-year-old boy, you became a Christian, and then there was a six-week discipleship program, and then you got baptized. And that was the end of that. You know, it's like, that was the end of discipleship, a little six-week course. Well, of course we know that's not true because we need transformation. We don't want to be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. We want our minds to be transformed. My mind needs transforming. How's yours? Because where my mind goes is where my actions follow. I don't need a six-week course. I need someone to disciple me. I need someone to ask me hard questions. hope, oh, and guess you do. One of the hardest questions I have ever asked people is: who is discipling you and who are you discipling? We need a new discipleship reformation. We're not consumers, we need to be consumed by Jesus and his kingdom. And the called. Need re-enabling. Don't misunderstand me here. I'm absolutely committed to the missionary model. I love the fact, I lead an organization like it. I totally believe that some people in our midst are called for us to support them and for them to go overseas. But a missionary is a sent one. And when I read the passages we've just looked at, I realize that all of us Are sent ones. In that sense, we are all missionaries. Some just get to go abroad or do it full time, but we're all missionaries. You are a missionary to your workplace, you are a missionary to your family, you are a missionary to your neighborhood. And some of you get called to be a missionary somewhere else in the world. And we need to re enable all of these sent ones. To be equipped to go well. So if the mission is critical, our methods may need to change. You know, you know all the conversations that are going on, you know, has shopping changed forever? Has the workplace changed forever? I'm asking, has the church changed? Is it going to change drastically? There's these days of innovation. Some of us don't like change, some of us love change. Whatever happens, change is coming. But what needs to change in the way we reach, disciple, and equip people? Now I actually believe even in this, this great city of Dallas that the days of us just opening our doors and advertising and people coming in are probably over. We're gonna to have to be super intentional and really relational about how we reach people. I've got a, a wonderful missionary in Stockholm and he is the best street evangelist I've ever met. I went and spent two days with him in Stockholm. It was, it was incredible. And like, at any second, you've got to be ready because he's gonna put you on the spot to share your faith with some random kid on a on the metro or whatever. You just gotta be ready. He's amazing. He's amazing. And he's in despair this year because nobody wants a random stranger walking up to them in the street. Those days may be gone. And I'm like, mate, you've got to push into your neighbours. You gotta push into your friends have got to reach them one by one, personally and intentionally. The way we disciple is going to change. We were in lockdown in England, Sandra and I, for the month of January, and I was in despair coming out Christmas, like, oh no, I've come home, I want to see everybody. I want parties with all my friends and family. And all we were allowed to do is, is have an outside walk with one person a day from another household. So I'm like, well, this is where God's put us, what we're we going to do with it. So I had 30 days, so I started thinking through who do I want to see, who do I intentionally want to walk with for a day, well, for an hour of a day. And there were some people I'd walked with every week, there were some people I hadn't seen for years I walked with as a one-off, people I'd never imagined that popped up and we arranged to meet, and literally I walked with someone every day for a month, and my reflection back on that month is it might be the best discipling I've ever done, better than when I led a church in that town. Just simple, intentional walking with people. I think Jesus invented it. (laughs) It's not a new idea. Just walk with people. Be intentional about it. You know, on a morning, ask yourself, who haven't I seen for a while? See who comes to mind. Text them, hey, we haven't seen you for a while. Should we go for a walk? Should we get a coffee? You're allowed to get a coffee in America. You're so lucky. (laughs) Just Be with people. Be intentional about it. Share life with them. How are you doing? How's your marriage? How's your kids? How's your work? What are you worried about? How can I pray for you? I've been learning this. What are you learning? Just simple discipleship. Not programs, just people. The way we equip people may have to change. You know, As we get each other ready to be able to do this stuff that we're called to, it's probably not going to be a course in a classroom. We need to model it. It's an apprenticeship model. Come and watch how I do this and you have a go. That's how Jesus sent out the 12. That's how he sent out the 72 that walked with him, that watched it. He'd apprenticed them and he said, go and have a go. So a final few thoughts. As missionaries, what must we do right now? Missionaries, all of us, right? Not the ones you've sent, but all of us have been sent. Three, three quick thoughts. The first one is we've got to love like we've never loved before. We've talked about the Great Commission, but of course the great commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then in the second half of Luke 10, Jesus tells this shocking parable of the Good Samaritan when asked, who is my neighbor? And the story tells them basically is the neighbor who loves in this story is the person that all your friends hate. Hate. The enemy. It's easy to love the people that are like us. It's easy to love the people that look like us, who think like us, who vote like us, whatever it is, that's easy. But that's not what we're called to do. Kingdom people are going further than that. Kingdom people are going to love people that might not like. And we're called to love like never before. Imagine if we were famous for how we loved. Imagine if we were famous for the things that we are for, not the things that we're against. We need to love like we've never loved before. I think we've got to listen like we've never listened before. Um, This has been my story of the last year. The number of times I've found myself on my knees going, Jesus, help me, I haven't got a clue what to do. You know, no one's taught me how to lead through a pandemic. Right? I can't find the book. You know, I haven't got a clue, Lord. Speak to me. And trying to learn to listen to God like never before. Get in his word and be silent and and wait on his presence so I can get some understanding and insight to know how to lead right now. We've got to listen to the Lord like never before. We've got to listen to trusted advisors like never before. Not the latest opinion on Facebook because it's leading us into nightmare situations. We've gotta listen to trusted advisors like never before. And I believe we need to listen to different voices than we normally listen to, so that we really understand people, so that we can love them. And we need to lead like never before, because all of us are leaders in our families, in our communities and the world is desperate for some good leaders right now. We have to be catalytic in the way we model what a disciple looks like. We have to push in to being a kingdom person that is different than anybody's ever met. What it looks like to be a a submitted follower of Jesus because people are desperate for a way out of the mess we're in. And if we can walk with humility and take godly risks, Keep it simple. People around us are going to follow. They're going to notice. I've loved Lucas's prayer the last few days for another 65 years of outreach and mission from this church. I love it. And it starts really simply when you and I submit fully to the Lord. Learn to listen to him and follow him obediently. Let's pray, shall we, friends? Lord, you know us better than we know ourselves. You know how hard it is for us to submit to you. But Lord, we know that you are the only king worth following Yours is the only kingdom to commit to. We know that everybody wins if we submit to you. It's where victory is found. So Lord, would you help us as we try and love you and love people around us? Would you help us as we try and share you, Jesus, with the people around us? As we try and be disciples and make disciples, help us, Lord. Would you, by your spirit, enable these weak vessels to be all that you believe we can be? We ask it in your powerful name. Amen.